Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, it's good to be back with you on another podcast. Yeah. My name is Sam, and I'm joined as always by... Thanks for having me back, Sam. Absolutely. By Dr. Richard Blackaby, <laughs> for whom this podcast is named. Uh, so we've got an exciting show today. We are uh, diving back into the Experiencing God series and mm-hmm. sort of the, the groundbreaking uh, work that that did that your your father wrote along with yeah. Claude King and you wrote a revised uh, version of Experiencing God that many listening have likely taken or at least are familiar with uh, mm-hmm. in name. And so today we're looking at reality number three. Yeah. We, uh, we've looked at one and two, and today is three. And reality three is God invites you to become involved with him and his work, hmm. uh, which is the, the last reality. Reality two is that, uh, well, first is that God is always at work around you. Right. And then reality two is saying that God loves you and he's pursuing a love relationship with you. And that, that all sounds great so far. Like, I'm happy with reality one. That I'm glad that God's working everywhere. Yeah. I hope he keeps it up. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of places I'm, I'm praying that he's at work. And the fact that he pursues a love relationship with me is also encouraging. I'm, I'm encouraged to know that, that uh, it's more than me pursuing him, but it's him pursuing me. And so, right. so far, it's great. Uh, but then it gets to reality three, and all of a sudden, it's... Uh, saying God invites me to join him in his work. Yeah. And, uh, that that puts a different spin on things. Yeah, that, that sort of uh, puts it back, puts the ball back in, in our court. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think people read this and it, it maybe just doesn't really register with them. Like, um, this is one of those realities that it's like, you know, wh- what does this mean exactly? Yeah, because it's awesome to think about the fact that Almighty God actually wants to involve us. I mean, this is the God who created the universe, who created life, who will bring human history uh, to a climactic end. And he determines when human history comes to an end. And yet in, in that awesome God, he actually comes to you and me and invites us to join him in what he's up to, which is, uh, which is amazing. I think that's what amazed uh, Moses. You know, Moses is a a wanted fugitive. He's a, a murderer. Uh, a f- he's for 40 years, he's uh, been herding sheep and r- thinking about uh, his failure that basically derailed a promising career. And then one day he walks by a burning bush and God says, actually, I'm about to do one of the greatest works in history and I want you to be a part of it. Um, and it's just overwhelming. Um, or think about a person like Gideon. Um, God calls uh, he sends an angel to Gideon and says, uh, hey, God's planning on liberating uh, the nation from 100 plus thousand uh, invading soldiers. And Gideon can be thinking, well, great, it's about time. And then God says, the angel says, and Gideon, I'm going to use you. And immediately, just like Moses, uh, Gideon starts giving all the excuses why that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I've often thought about that Gideon experience. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've wondered at times if I was that angel and God said, uh, Hey, I need to send an angel, uh, uh on an errand for me. Uh, you know, if God ever asked for volunteers, there's like 10,000 angel hands 
immediately going up saying, I'll go, I'll go. I don't even have to know what the assignment is. Says, Almighty God has an assignment. Uh, this angel's ready to go. And then yeah. if the angel says, well, I want you to go and we, we've got this in, invasion force in my people's land I, I need to get rid of. I could imagine like the death angel standing up saying, well, I could take care of that. You know, Sort of my specialty. Yeah, it's like, uh, or, you know, just have a couple of us uh, angels go down there. We'll, we'll make quick work of them. And then God says, no, actually, I want you to go and uh, I want you to tell Gideon that uh, I'm going to use him. You know, that must be frustrating as, a, <laughs> as an angel. You just have to wonder. Obviously, it's yeah. speculation, but it's like... Like, I doubt angels God, talk you, back. you keep using all these people. Like, yeah. they're just flawed like I, and imperfect. I think I would have said, wait a minute, God, did I hear you right? Did you say Gideon? Isn't he that, that young, kind of cowardly guy? Like, isn't he, even as I speak, hiding in a hole in the ground, threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid the, the, the Midianites might see him? Like, God... Uh, no offense or anything, but like, I'd be happy just to take care of this for you. Like we, we just cut Gideon right out of the equation. I'm, I'm guessing he's going to want to put out fleece and he's going to have to have a bunch of proofs and <laughs> yeah. we're wasting time here. Like I could already have those Midianites running for their lives before Gideon's even decide he's going to do it or not. Um, it just seems way more tedious, uh, way more complicated, way slower, way less efficient to have people do things that angels would gladly do. And, 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 uh, and probably do right the first time. Yeah, without arguing, yeah. Um, not, not having to go clean things up later to be done right the first time. So, you know, I look at that and I think, so why does God do that? I mean, the way God does things is as, as important as what he does. Why doesn't he just use angels more for that kind of thing? In fact, I just in my own study of the Bible and angels, most of the time, uh, when God uses angels, the vast majority of the time, it is to prepare people to do God's work. Uh, it's they're, they're usually messengers. That's what their name even means. Uh, and God usually is sending them to tell people, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, only The only time you really see an angel doing the work is when it's something that people can't do. So like a death angel, that if, if he's going to come and kill off 100,000 soldiers or a death angel to Egypt, a, a person can't do that. So an angel sometimes does stuff that's beyond human ability. Mm. But anything that an angel or a person can do, God typically does not let an angel do that. He, he yeah. says, no, I'm going to have a person do that. And, uh, and I, I've, I've often thought to myself, uh, for those who are pastors, um, you know, sometimes Sunday mornings rolling around, you think, uh, boy, another sermon already this week. I've, you know, I've worn out here and I've had a busy week. I've got to come up with another sermon. And yet to think there, there are 10,000 uh, angels who would gladly get in your pulpit and just let people know how awesome God is. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, to say, well, I need to be a witness this week at work, but that's a little intimidating. I'm not what, what if people don't receive it well? And an angel would say, I'd gladly go into your workplace, tell people about God and what Jesus has done for them. But, but God doesn't let them. God yeah. says, no, I'm leaving that for you. So, you know, I don't want people to miss the incredible, amazing reality that God even lets us be a part of his work. Mm. And I, I could just tell you, you may be a part of, of a lot of different projects throughout your life. You may build your own home. You may start a company. You may build a career. 
You may uh, lead your company in sales. You may raise some kids. Lots of things you'll probably invest your life in at some point. But nothing will have the, the eternal ramifications of being a part of a God thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we'll look back on very busy lives and lots of the stuff that filled our time will not even remember. It won't even make much difference. But those times where we know that we were part of what God was doing, that that divine invitation that came and uh, we realize we've been swept up out of the ordinary living to be a part of something that Almighty God is concerned about. Uh, God in heaven actually cares about this, and he asked us to join him in that work. I, I hope that our listeners never lose the wonder that mm. God would invite them and that there's 10,000 angels eager to take your place and do your job for you, and God says, no, no, no you don't get that opportunity. That's, uh, that's reserved for Richard or for Sam or whoever. And uh, before we get too weary and well-doing, we need to realize what a privilege it is that we're ever invited to be a part of something God is doing. Hmm. Well, that's an amazing word, and let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive deeper into this. Bob Royal and Richard Blackaby recently wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership Coaching. It integrates the life-changing biblical insights from experiencing God with training in 12 essential coaching skills that will enhance your ability to have transformational conversations. Use the promo code PODCAST at checkout to receive an additional 10% off the book at blackabystore.org. So Richard, it's undoubtedly just profound to, to sit and to meditate on the fact that God asks us to join in His work. As you've mentioned, uh, he has many options as far as accomplishing his will, and yet he continually chooses to use flawed humanity to do so. Um, so I have a, a follow-up question is, why is it that some people always seem to be receiving these invitations from God? And, and you know, y- you've heard of them. It just seems like every time you turn around, like God is doing something amazing in their life and and. God's asking them to join in what he's doing. Uh, and then there's others that maybe never do or yeah. seldom do. Yeah. Can you speak to those differences? Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes people say, well, it seems like God's always doing things around you, but he doesn't seem to be doing anything around me or yeah. you're always being invited into some activity of God. And yet, uh, boy, he never invites me to do anything. And, you know, there's several reasons for that. One is I think some people are just not God oriented. Mm-hmm. We're so self centered. We're self oriented that all of our waking moments are about our concerns, about what is important to us. Uh, we have no spiritual sensitivity to what is happening around us. I, you know, there are people that are just that way, even around other people. They they're so oblivious to what is going on with their own kids or their spouse or colleagues that uh, you know they they can't even pick up on those cues, let alone what, what God is up to. And so I would say one thing is, uh, you've got to expect that not only is God at work around you, but that he will involve you if you are open and ready and prepared. Uh, if, if you've been invited before to uh, be involved in God's activity, but you said, no, (laughs) you, you, every time God invites you, you tell him you're busy, you know, that this isn't a good time. Uh, you've got just way too many of your own projects to do. You don't have time to adjust and do something that God wants you to do. 
then I think at a certain point you're just not going to hear a lot of invitations coming mm. anymore. So uh, I, you know, typically the people I see that are just constantly uh, having divine appointments throughout their day, throughout their week, are people that are watching for them, expecting them, and then they accept them when they come. And you know, of course, there's many ways that can happen. Sometimes it's in a big thing like a career uh, move. Uh, every time I've changed a job. I've always been content to stay where I was. I was always content just to retire in the job I was in. And then I just really felt like God was saying, come join me over here. I'm doing some things here. Mm. I, when I went to my first church, it was hurting, broken, evil had just permeated the place and wounded all kinds of people. And it was just a battlefield of, of wounded um, church members. And all of a sudden, I just sensed God saying, I want to bring healing. I, I want to I want to minister. I want to bring life back to this place. Richard, I'm, and I want you to, to join me in that. And that's pretty exciting. And so yeah. I, I went, and for the next several years, I watched God just healing lives, bringing hope, a place that had been quite discouraging. Uh, there's laughter. There's joy there. And I'm just watching God just turn a dark, bleak place back into a place where there's joy. There's uh, uh, a lot of anticipation, optimism, and then one day I, I sense God saying, I've got something else I'm doing. I'm, I'm working at a seminary. I'm, I'm raising up a, a generation of, of, of Christian leaders for, to reach uh, this nation and the world. And, and Richard, I'm, I want you to come with me. I want you to be a part of that work. And just each time that I've made a move, um, I've had a sense that God was inviting me. It wasn't, it wasn't so much about, uh, here's my next... Uh, part of my master plan to build your career, Richard, it is, I want to show you something else I'm doing. Yeah. You've been faithful in joining me there. Now I want you to be, be faithful and I'm going to give you another opportunity to, to be a part of what I'm doing. And, and each time you say yes, it just opens another door for you uh, to, to join God in something else. And, you know, sometimes that can be uh, as simple as praying. You know, sometimes... I don't know if you've ever just felt an impression from the Holy Spirit to just pray for somebody. Mm, you know, yeah. I remember my dad one time years ago. Uh, he knew a, he, he knew a missionary lady that was a missionary in Africa, and uh, one night he's uh, in his house and he he gets this very strong impression about this woman and a burden for her. She's a single missionary lady in a, a relatively dangerous place and. God just, uh, as he's writing down his uh, what God's impressing upon him, he writes down her name, and and then he just really um, feels led that he needs to pray for her right now, uh, just in intensity. And so he prays for her for, for quite some time, and, uh, and then ultimately he just feels a peace, like God said, good, thank you for joining me. Of course, he has no idea that she's in Africa, he's uh, in Georgia, um, but uh, it just so happened that about a month or so later, she was coming back to the States and she was going to be in a place where my dad was. And so he went out over to her and uh, he said, uh, he said, you know, I had just an unusual, unusual experience where God put such a burden for you on my heart that I prayed intensely for you. I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was God said, I want you to join me in prayer for her right now. And so they, they compared notes, and she began to get all kind of um, 
very, very alert to this. And it was obvious as uh, she began asking what day it was, you know, and what time and so on. They figured out the time change and everything from Georgia to Africa. And, uh, and then she began to tell a story. And she said that uh, she was at home one night in bed when all of a sudden uh, she could hear people breaking through the, the fence compound around where she lived. And people were, were forcing their way, knocking the door down to get into her place. And all of a sudden, a bunch, and she was so scared, she didn't know what to do. She basically just got in her bed and, and just prayed that God would protect her. And before long, her bedroom door burst open and uh, a bunch of armed bandits, uh, men all come running in and uh, they they began to tie her up and uh, and to shout at her and she's just praying uh, for God to help her and uh, suddenly um, she said uh, there were some lights that began to shine in the the windows of her apartment or her house and uh, these guys were were alarmed they they thought that the police were arriving or the army was coming and so they just ran out of the house and they and they ran out of, of the building. She got herself untied and went to look, and there's there's nothing there. No one ever came in. These lights just began shining in, and it spooked these guys. And uh, she said, I had no doubt whatsoever that they had all kinds of evil intentions for me. I was one woman mm-hmm. uh, with a whole room full of bandit men. And uh, she said, all I can say is God sent those lights. And uh, But as, she, as they're comparing uh, the time schedules, they realized that my dad had been alerted to pray for her at that very time, that very day. Wow. And, of course, my dad has no idea. Like, he, all he knows is suddenly God puts someone on his heart. He starts praying. And a month or so later finds out that someone could have been raped or killed, harmed uh, severely. Um, he doesn't know that. All he knows is God starts to put someone on his heart and he starts to pray. And, again, I don't know why God does that. I mean, God could certainly protect someone without having alerting anybody to pray. But oftentimes that's what God does. That's what prayer is, you know. I mean, anything that God wants to do, he could do whether we prayed or not. But for some reason, God set up a system where he wants us to participate in his activity. And so certainly the same with sharing your faith with someone at work uh, or a neighbor. Could God send an angel to have a Damascus Road experience and help someone discover that that Christ is real and they need to repent of their sin, he could, but that's typically not how God does it. He typically sends people to share the gospel, to reach out in love and minister to people. And uh, and so uh, sometimes that can scare you to death. Sometimes it'll put you right out of your comfort zone. But the fact is that when you do that, sometimes we think, well, I'm just trying to be obedient and try to just witness to everybody I can. Or I just feel like I should you know, pray a lot for people. What's well, more than that? It's not that you're just trying to be an evangelist. It's that you are joining God in what he's doing. And right. there's a world of difference from you just trying to do what you can to you joining God in what only he can do. Hmm. Well, that's, that's very powerful. And I suspect that uh, our listeners would, would know the answer to this next question, but is there a cost in not accepting God's invitation? You know, I think um, certainly there's a cost to us uh, when you don't rise to the occasion, when you don't answer and say, here am I, send me, then a lot of times God ends up sending someone else and you just never know what could have been. Mm. You, you miss out on the incredible thrill 
of being a part of what God is doing, of having those amazing, you know, later people would often say to my dad, well, Henry, you just seem to have so many stories like that of where God used you to pray, to witness, to do different things, make a phone call, but that never happens to me. And I would tend to think, well, I wonder if it could have happened to you, but you just didn't respond. Mm. And so you don't have any of those stories in your life. You could have, but you, you didn't have that kind of life because you were not responding to what God invited you to do. And then certainly, I think that also, I, I don't know how, you know, sometimes I think we just have to face the fact our disobedience may also cost others. Uh, maybe yeah. God wanted us to join him in encouraging someone that was really going through a difficult time, but we just felt we were too busy. Uh, you know, I just, I just don't know that I could work in having lunch with that uh, friend uh, this week with the schedule I've got, um, or I should call that person, but why that yeah, phone call could last longer than the time I've got. I, maybe this isn't a good time. And so I, I just think sometimes people don't receive the ministry, the witness, uh, the, the, the care they might have because we said no to God. We, we weren't available. And, uh, and so I, I don't know. I think sometimes God can send someone else, but I think sometimes maybe people just go without some things because the person God intended to use um, wasn't available. And, and I, I think we, we need to be very, very aware of that, that if we miss a call, uh, there, there'll be a cost to us and there may well be a cost to others. And that's why I think we have to take every invitation extremely seriously. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a great place to end this discussion, but uh, we uh, often ask you guys to send in questions. Yeah. And we got a couple of questions. Well, one in particular that we'd like to uh, tackle um, this week. And this comes from Otto, who listens in uh, the Netherlands. So yeah. thanks for sending this from in, From Amsterdam. From Amsterdam, yeah. So he says that uh, you share a lot on how leaders can become better leaders, uh, but not many of us are only leaders, uh, but also employees of leaders. Could you give some insight in how we can help our leaders be better leaders? You know, I think we, we had a question similar to this a while ago, and I think it's one that we'll probably be facing uh, regularly because yeah. mo- most of us are affected in some way or other by uh, leaders <clears throat> over us who in some way affect our lives. And we probably all suffer in some ways from poor leaders, whether it's uh, government leaders or bosses at work. Uh, and so I'd say there's a couple things you can do as a Christian if you're a Christian employee working for someone who's maybe not the best leader, um, certainly be praying for them. I think that's a biblical injunction to pray for those over you, whether in government or in, in work. And um, I'll tell you, just it'll help you. If, if you just fixate on all the annoying things that your boss does or doesn't do, Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's going to make your work life pretty miserable. Um, but it's hard to really continue being angry at someone that you regularly pray for. And so be praying for them with a heart that really wants what's best for them. You know, a lot of times if we have a bad boss, we just pray God help them to get fired. <laughs> help them to, <laughs> you know, to move on. So that uh, we, I get a better boss. But uh, to, to be in a place where you can pray for God's blessing upon your boss, even if they're not a great leader, um, it will do wonders for you as well as uh, for them. I'd also... Pray that God would just give you a good attitude. 
be positive, be upbeat, uh, instead of complaining about all the problems, uh, say, God, help me to be a part of the solution. Uh, if there's some things in this uh, work environment that aren't as they should be, God, help me to maybe address some of those. Maybe I can solve some of those. Maybe I can come to the uh, my boss with some suggestions uh, and with a can-do sort of attitude. Uh, you know, don't come with a, a whole list of complaints right. to your boss. That may not go over well. But there is a way to just come with a real positive spirit and say, hey, I was just thinking about this. Uh, you know, I know that w- we've had a problem here, and uh, I've got some ideas that uh, we might be able to fix that or make it better. I'll tell you what, most bosses uh, appreciate that when instead of complaining or uh, instead of coming and wanting the boss to fix everything, uh, someone steps up and says, I'm willing uh, to pay the price and and do what's necessary to fix things. Uh, Not every boss is going to be responsive to that, but uh, I I would guess uh, most of them will be. Um, And, you know, just uh, be determined to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Um, encourage your boss when they do well, let them know. Uh, oftentimes we're not good. Now, don't brown nose with them and, uh, you know, every, no matter what they do, just tell them they're wonderful. But, uh, uh, but when they do uh, do things that are, are good, um, when they make an effort, notice that, uh, oftentimes, yeah. uh, we just assume that leaders, uh, know that they're appreciated or know they've done a good job. But, uh, even when you're the top boss, it's still nice uh, to hear from your staff and those that you lead uh, that they notice what you did and, and you appreciate it. And, you know, I, I think often of uh, people like uh, Dwight Eisenhower. There was a period of time where he was the number two person under George Marshall, and then he was the number two person under uh, Douglas MacArthur, two of the top military leaders in America, in the military at the time. And uh, both of them <clears throat> were really sorry to see him leave. Two very different bosses, Marshall and MacArthur, very, very different uh, personalities and leadership styles. But Eisenhower said, I just made it uh, my goal that anyone I worked under would be sorry to see me leave. Mm. Because in the military, ultimately, you're always being transferred to another post and assignment. Yeah. And he just said, I want to just be such a good uh, you know, lieutenant that, uh, that my commanding officer doesn't want me to go. And, yeah. uh, and he basically did that. And because he was that kind of uh, second person, he ultimately became the commanding officer uh, of the whole military and, and ultimately even the president of the United States. And so I would just say don't become just a bitter, critical, armchair critic of your boss, but uh, step in. And that's what Christians do. Christians are, made to, are called to be salt and light. Uh, we're not to be chief critics and complainers. We're to be leavened that makes things better wherever we go. And when, when God just sort of scatters Christians throughout the marketplace and p- the professional uh, workplaces, um, they ought to just sort of bring light and joy and hope everywhere that God places them. And so ask God how you can be a blessing to your boss. Don't keep waiting for your boss to bless you. Um, you have power to, to be a blessing to your boss as well. And ask yourself, right now, am I a blessing to my manager, to my boss? Are they happy to see me walking down the hallway? Or do they think, oh, no, what's what's the problem today? Uh, be that kind of person. It's not 100% that you'll always be appreciated. But odds are better than average that uh, if you're that kind of uh, follower, uh, it'll have an impact for good upon the person that leads you as well. 
Well, great. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.